we get the gist of it, you know? Um, when it comes to Hagar, we don't know so much about her. And I think that there's really a lot um, to think about when it, when it comes to Hagar. So, okay, so let's, let's, let's just start. So there are two prakim in Bereshi that talk about Hagar. It's Perek Tetzayin and Perek Kaf Aleph. So we're going to start with the beginning of Perek Tetzayin. How do we meet Hagar? How is she introduced to us in, in the Torah? So Bereshit Tetzayin, Sukim Aleph and Bet, right? First, first source, I forgot to number the sources. V'sarai Eshet Avram lo yaladalo. Vela Shivcha Mitzrit Ushma Hagar, Sarah, the wife of Sarai at this point still, right? She doesn't have any children, and she has a Shivcha Mitzrit, an Egyptian maidservant, and her name is Hagar. Now, it's Sarai, right? She's clearly the wife of Abraham. She doesn't have any children. Now, why is that significant? Because in the previous parak, Abraham was told that he's going to have many children, right? So, but he doesn't have any children yet. So what's happening? So Sarai kind of takes matters into her own hands, and she tells Avraham the, fo- Avraham the following: "Vatomer Sarai el Avram, hine na atzarani Hashem miledet. I Hashem has not given me children yet. Children yet. Bo na el shifchati, ulai ibane mimena, vayishma Avram lekol Sarai. Come and marry my shifcha, my maidservant Hagar, and maybe I will." be built through her, meaning maybe I will have a family, build a family through her, and Abraham listens. So we have very significant events involving Hagar. We don't actually hear from her yet. She's still referred to as the Shifcha of Sarah, right? We, her voice, or we have here, Vaishma Avram Lekol Sarai. Sarai's voice is the driving factor here. Hagar does not yet have a voice. She's still very much a shifcha and a maidservant. We'll see her reaction and what happens right after she does get together with Avram. But a little bit more about, about her, how she's presented. Okay, so a couple of pesukim later. Vatomer Sarai el Avram, right? Sarai, when there's a reaction to, to Avram and Hagar getting together, right? Sarai kind of gets on the defense, and we're, we're going to talk about that. But she says to Avram, right? right? Like, what's, there's something wrong here. I, I gave you my shifcha, my maidservant, right? Like, she saw she's pregnant, and now I am like, I'm disrespected in her eyes. She thinks she has one over me, and, and we're going to see that soon, right? Yishpot Hashem beniu benecha, right? Hashem is going to decide here what's, what's going on. So we have Sarai being very um, defensive, right? Again, over, this, over the shifcha, she refers to her as the shifcha. So it's interesting because she's the shifcha, but there's something about this union that is bothering Sarai, right? So... But she's still presented here as the shifcha, okay? And Avram goes along with this also. Vayomer Avram el Sarai, hine na shifchatech beyadech. Here is your maidservant. I'm leaving her in your hands. Asila hatov be'enaich. Do whatever you want with her. Vateane Sarai, vateaneha Sarai, vativrach mipaneha. Right, Sarai vate'aneha, literally is translated into she pains her, right? She abuses her. We're going to talk about that also towards the end. Right now it's just inui, right? We can't get around the fact that the verb here is inui, um, even though there are some of the mefarshim that, you know, take a, a lighter route with how to translate that word. It's, it's still inui. It's still she's, she's painting her in some way. 
Vativrach mipanehan, and Hagar runs away. Right? This, she's, still, she's still very much a maidservant, right? All these things are kind of happening around her. Um, and Malach finds her in, in the desert. Right, again, right? She acknowledges her scenario, her situation, that she is very much the Shifcha of Sarai. So the way, a lot of in which the way that the Pesukim describe Hagar is as a maidservant. She doesn't have much voice into what happens to her. She's kind of like a result of the circumstances, but we're going to see soon another side. Question. Yeah. Did Sarai think that she was going to get for her child? Because it says she will build me a family. So that was the plan. Yeah, that was the plan. We're going to see that. We're going to see that, which is not a crazy plan, right? We're going to see what happened with Rachel and Leah with their maid servants, and we're going to note the mm-hmm. differences. Okay. Um, so definitely hold that thought. Um, Rashi. What's interesting here is is Rashi also kind of takes this position of you know Hagar is definitely. The Shifcha, right? Shifcha mitrit, but Paro Haita, she was the daughter mm-hmm. of Paro. And when Paro saw what happened with Sarah, right, when he tried to take Sarah and then he got, you know, well, everything that happened, Kishera'a Nisim, when he saw the miracles. No, no worries. Problem. Come on in. Come on in, if you want to help yourself to a cup of coffee. Um, okay, right. So she is a so she's the daughter of Paro. Kishera'ani, see, when he saw all the miracles that happened um, around Abraham and Sarah, she, right? Shenasal Sarah Amar, he said, Mutav sheteh biti shifcha ba'bayit zeh velo gevira ba'bayit acher. So even Paro, right? He knows that she's never going to be anything more than a shifcha in the, in the house of Abraham and Sarah. But he says it's better for her to be a maidservant in these people's houses than a, than a master, um, right? The hostess, the main one in, in somewhere else. So obviously he's, you know, valuing something about the home of Abraham and Sarah, which is beautiful and speaks a lot about, you know, the home that the Avot and the Imahot built. But with regards to Hagar, she's not going to be anything more than a shifcha. She's clearly just a shifcha. She's a maidservant. Okay, that's how she's presented. Aha. Uh-huh. So now, she's a shifcha, but there is this tension, like we kind of, we, we hinted to before. There, there's something about Hagar that's, that's, maybe she's perhaps a little bit stepping out of her place and, and maybe causing problems here. Okay, so these, so Pasuk Gimel, right, this is a di- direct um, continuation of when Sarai suggests to Avram that, he should marry Hagar and have a child with her. Okay. Vatikach Sarai eshet Avram et Hagar hamitzrit shifchata. Once again, the pasuk repeats. He, the, she takes Hagar, her shifcha. Okay. Miket eser shanim l'shevet Avram be'eretz kena'an. After 10 years that they're living in Eretz Kena'an. Vatiten ota le'Avraham isha lo le'isha. Look at the play on words here, right? She gives... Her shifcha, right? and and even notice the verb vatikach. Sarai is doing everything again. Uh, Hagar, the, what? Usually it says the man takes. Yes, right. Normally, when it comes to a wife, it says right vavram lakach, right? That verb of likicha, you're hundred percent right, is normally a verb of a man taking a wife. 
But here, Sarah is orchestrating the whole thing. But what's interesting is that the Pasuk writes not that the, the English translates, translates it, interestingly enough, as concubine, but that's not the correct definition. It says, lo le'isha, as a wife, right? Sarah is clearly thinking, okay, she's going to be the Pilegesh and I'm going to raise the child. But there's something more that the Pesukim are hinting to us here, right? She gives Hagar, her shifcha, her maidservant, to Avram, her husband, Isha ha'ishela lo le'isha, as a wife. The play on words is, is clearly telling mm-hmm. us something fascinating. And then in Pasuk Dalet, she gets pregnant. Notice what word is missing here. Vayavo el Hagar, vatahar. She gets pregnant. Vatere ki harata. She sees she's pregnant. Vatekal gvirta be'eneha. And her, her mistress, her master, became lowered in her eyes. What word is missing from this pasuk? Shivcha. Mm. All of a sudden, right? She gets married to Abraham, and the pasuk leaves the word shivcha out, which is so stark. Because in the previous three Pesukim, the Pasuk kept telling us and reminding us that she's a Shifcha, she's a Shifcha, Hagar the Shifcha. All of a sudden here, she's pregnant with Abraham's child and she's not a Shifcha, she, where the Pasuk leaves the word out. I th- so I think that's also significant, right, of the tension clearly. And, and here, right, Vatekal Gvirta Be'eneha, she's disrespecting, there's a disrespect of Sarah, right? A Shifcha... Knows her place, knows her master, right? Knows where she stands and where the ma- the mistress stands. But Hagar, not yeah. I think the the other pesukim, it's it's almost as if it's from Sarah's perspective, and she was on the defense, like you said, and she re- kept referring to her as a shifcha because she felt she was lower in her eyes from her perspective. So from Sarah's perspective. Yes, she felt that she was lower in in Hagar's eyes. So she was like, out of defense, kept referring to her as shikha, shikha, shikha. Now mm. we're hearing Hagar's voice, and she's basically saying, I'm Hagar, I'm pregnant, and you are lowered in my eyes. And that's exactly the route that Rashi takes, 100,000%. If you look at the last Rashi on the page... Uh, not on the page, sorry, in that box, right, Rashi, uh, we'll get back to the other one. Um, that's exactly the route Rashi takes, right? Vatekal gvirta be'eneha, Amra, Hagar says, Sarai zo em sitra kegluya. Her, what her, she is on the inside is not what she appears to be. She appears, puts on the appearance that she's a tzadeket. She's not really a tzadeket. Why did Hagar come to this conclusion? She did not merit to have pregnancy all these years. And I got pregnant right away. So you're right, right? She's, she, she does develop this almost like, like haughtiness or like, a, you know, ha, I'm someone. She's mad. We need to back up a little bit. Let's Where back up. Where did the idea of maidservants come into being? I mean, everybody was created more or less equal. When did there become a maidservant? Like a hierarchy. Why should Sarah have a maidservant? Why should Abraham have That's a good question. I, historically, I mean, I, I don't know, like, at what point, um, you know, like, from Adam, at which point they... they that you know, maid servants kind of came to being. Historically, it seems to be that like this was the accepted practice. Um, I want to say, if I had to take an educated guess, I would. I want to say maybe around the time of Dorha Pelaga, 
when they tried to, you know, make the building to, to fight with Hashem, um, right? So there's a lot to say there about, you know, people making a building and establishing sort of hierarchies um, and, and the corruption of society maybe that way, maybe. Um, but I, I don't know, when, I'm not sure in terms of like the history of the world, like when people decided that it was okay to have, Different types you know, of right, a hierarchy. Maybe. That's an interesting question, right? Especially if the world started off with, you know, one, and then, and then restarted again with Noah. And although I, maybe you want to say, mm, I, don't, I don't know how PC it is to say this, but like with Ham, right, Shem, Ham, and Yefet, um, Ham was the cursed one out of the three sons. So maybe that kind of colored... People, you know, humanity's perception of him and of his offspring, mm. possibly. I don't know. But it's also interesting if I could interject and I yeah. cut somebody off. No. Sorry, I didn't see Not it. at all. Um, I think that there's a difference in the terminology that he's his man's servant as opposed to slave, right? A slave yeah. is like a battle thing or you buy somebody. And this is the, this is the time of either... Um, hunters and gathering, which I think is past, and now we're more into agriculture. So, I mean, they do need work. I mean, I don't mean to be funny, but, you know, somebody's got to, for the manservant, you know, it's like the butler, or he does whatever he does, and then she helps him, she, the woman servant helps the wife, right? Sweep the tent, cook, who knows what else they do. But I don't mean the sex. Right, it was a job, right. But but the terminology of servant as opposed to slave, because we see the word slaves in Shemot all the time. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, um, I just wanted to interject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I twisted what you meant, what you said? No, no, I'm just trying to figure out when we develop this idea that people are not. Yeah. (laughs) I always find that learning Torah, like every year when we go, when we learn the Parsha over and over again every year, it's like seven layer cake when you turn it upside down, like Jenga. And it's like you find these more deeper, hidden secrets or gems, can I say? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, so thank you for letting me put Of course. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to, to think about, definitely in terms of the history of the world. But I do think also, it, she wasn't a slave, right? It, it was a job, like Sarah said, you know, like people have all different types of jobs. And I guess not all jobs are equal. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, like you can't get around this association of like she was a servant and she was not on the level of somebody who's not a servant like you can't get around that yeah interesting but definitely historically that's you know that was definitely happening all around um so she right so now we said hagar has develops this like this uh arrogance towards sarai because she got pregnant and she jumps to all these types of conclusions which is just like a nice lesson also you know, sometimes things are not always as they seem, and maybe we shouldn't jump to conclusions, whether it comes to how, you know, how Hashem views others, or how Hashem views ourselves, or how we view ourselves. I think that's a, that's a nice lesson in that, but, um, you know, to, more to the point, again, Hagar becomes, kind of develops this arrogance, right? And even even before that, when Sarai kind of suggests, Ulai ibanemi menna, Rashi comments, and the words that he uses, I think, is very interesting. In, in the merit that I will that I will admit my tsara into my house, tsara in Tanakh is a term for rival wives. Okay, mm-hmm. so so Rachel and Leah were tsarot to each other. 
right? Chana and Penina in Shemuel were tzarot to each other. But Rachel and Bilha weren't tzarot to each other, mm. right? Bilha was the maid servant. They weren't rival wives. But here, Rashi is kind of picking up on this, you know, I guess on this, this arrogance of, of Hagar or this, this maybe perhaps not such shifcha status once she gets together with Avraham. Um, and, and right, like that does, definitely doesn't imply shifcha status. Uh, there's something. There's something more here. There's definitely tension here um, because of this this pregnancy. So okay, so there's there's tension. Um, we're continuing. The baby is born. Vatelid Hagar leAvraham ben vaikra Avraham Shem beno Asher Yaleda Hagar Yishmael. Again, vaAvraham ben Shmonim Shana veSheshanim beledet Hagar et Yishmael Avram. Again, what word is missing? Shivcha, right? She's not a shivcha all of a sudden. She's the mother of his child. Now, contrast, we, we said that Sarah was going to give Hagar to Avram, right? Maybe I will take this child and raise this child, right? Um, and, and, and that doesn't happen, okay? Who names the child? Avraham, right? Not Sarai. Contrast that to the... Not Hagar either. Well, we, we didn't see this yet, but the Malach in the desert, at one point she runs away. We're going to see this soon. And the Malach tells her that that's what she's going to name him and that's what she does name him or that's what Avram names him. But the point is that Sarai doesn't name the child. Now, when you look at, in over here, in the next, in uh, Bereshit Perik Lamed, Sukim Dal through Yagimel, Right, you have where Rachel and Leah decide to give their maid servants to Yaakov. Vatiten, this is talking about Rachel. Vatiten lo et bilha shifchata. She gives to Yaakov bilha her maid servant Leisha. Vayavoy leha Yaakov. Okay, vatahar bilha vateled ben Yaakov. Bilha gets pregnant. She she gives birth to a son. Vatomer Rachel danani elokim vegam shama bekoli vayiten li ben Rachel names the kid. Right, and the next one, the next kid also. Vatahar vateled bilha shifchat Rachel. Ben Sheni vatomer Rachel. Naftulei Elokim niftalti vatikrashemo naftalim. Rachel names the children in the next few pesukim. Vatereli akiam dami ledet. Right after she has Yehuda, she has four children in succession, and then it says after Yehuda, rahapamodet Hashem vataamod miledet, and she stops giving birth. So she follows kind of Rachel's lead. She gives her maid servant Zilpah to Yaakov. Okay, pasuk yud aleph vatomer lea bagad. Vatikra God. She names Zilpah's kid. The, na- the maid servants Bilhan Zilpah don't name the kid. It was the practice was that when if a maid servant was given to the husband, like for the for the purposes of children, like the the hostess, the the woman would would you know raise the child and name the child. That doesn't have. That's clearly very absent with. Sarai and Hagar and Yishmael. She ends. Yishmael ends up being Avraham and Hagar's child. Sarai has nothing to do with him. We never hear them interact at all. She has not. She has now no hand in raising him. She doesn't name him. She doesn't. I don't. I don't even think there's any interaction between the two of them in the pesukim. I mean, obviously in the house. Right until she throws them out. Right. The one interaction. The one time she talks about him is when she throws him out. Right? Fascinating. It's supposed to be her child. She's supposed to raise the kid, and she ends up throwing him out. Right, 
obviously, right. Obviously, there was, there was, there's a lot going on here with Hagar, right? And, and just like her character. Okay. So we established that, right, the Pesukim are clearly um, showing and, and giving us this idea of Hagar being a maidservant and a shifcha of Sarah. But then we have Hagar kind of raising herself to the next level, being raised to the next level through this pregnancy. And, and that causes tension and she becomes like a threat to Sarai, which is interesting because normally maidservants shouldn't be threats, right? Bilhan Zilpa weren't a threat to Yaakov. Do you think it had to do with her being Bat Paro? Like she had a sense of royalty, she had a sense of like inner self-esteem already or like a place in some society and now she, now that she has this other piece, she feels like, oh, so now I have this piece that in Jewish society means that I'm elevated or something. It could, very well could be. And she didn't know kind of... Right, from where... We don't know where they're from. We don't know where they're from. We don't know so much about them. We just know that Lavan gave his daughters as a wedding gift, Bilhan Zilpa, as maidservants. But definitely if you take some of the commentaries approach that she was the daughter of Paro, then yeah, there could be this sense of like, wait a second, like I'm I'm royalty, like I'm supposed to be someone. Um, which which is, is interesting to think about just in and of itself, right? Like she was royalty and then the psukim like don't hesitate to name her as shifcha, 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 shifcha. So like that's just an interesting, um, you know, like conflict, I guess, in, in her character which we see just causes tension and, and just, you know, things that are, are not quite, don't fit perfectly very neatly and, and wrapped up nicely. Um, yeah. No, I was just going to say, last week we talked about how um, people have different names based off of their roles. And when she became a Shifra, she no longer really had that Mitzri stat, that status of Baparo because she... So she wasn't named that here. She was named Shifra. Right. But then when she birthed, she earned her name. She right. She earned her name as as an as a like as an individual name. Um, Rav Hirsch actually translates. There's a few ways to translate the actual name Hagar, and I believe it's Rav Hirsch who translate Hagar as um, as like lonely or solitary. Ooh. Um, and like that, that's the definition of her name. Some translate Hagar as schar, like a reward. Um, and the Mefarshim that take that route are picking up on the fact that Paro actually gave her to Sarai um, as a gift when they left Egypt and after that whole story with Abraham mm-hmm. and Paro taking Sarai. Um, so some say that her name is from that. She was given as a sachar to Sarai. But Rav Hirsch says that her name actually means to live lonely or to be in solitude mm-hmm. or solitary. So, yeah, it's, like, definitely interesting to think that, like, she's... Her name is not associated with her, you know, maidservant status. But then again, like, what does her name mean? Um, very, 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 very interesting. Okay, so let's see what actually, like, happens to her, right? Down, down the road. So... So this is right before she gets pregnant, or or she is she's newly pregnant. So it's right after um, she marries Avram, right? Um, and Sarai kind after of senses this. Wait, right after you? she got pregnant. So I'm on page three. It's it's um, right. 
Peretz Zayin Pesukim Zayin Zayin through Chet, right? But the Pasuk, the Pesukim right before are when Sarai is kind of complaining to Avram and saying, you know, like, what's going on here? And Avram says, like, it's in your hands. Like, do with her what you want, right? Again, no, she has no voice, right? She's she's her fate is subject to to the others, which highlights her shifcha status, right? So. She and and we we said that vateaneha sarai sarai pained her. So right after that, we have this these pesukim. She runs away to the desert, right? Vativrach mipanea. She runs away to the desert. So pasuk zayin vaimtzaeha malach Hashem. A malach finds her, and and again pasuk vayomer hagar shifchat sarai. Right, the maid servant of Sarai. Amy zebat veanna telechi. Right, where are you coming from? Where are you going? Vatomer mipnei sarai givirti ani borachat. I'm running away from Sarai, my master, which is so interesting because she's referring to Sarai as her master to this angel in the desert. But when she was in the home, pregnant with the child, right? She was like making fun of her, her, her master. So like, what exactly is going on here, right? This is like such an interesting, uh, like conflict that's happening. Also, I think it's hard to, to ignore the fact that she's zochet to see a malach in the desert, right? Like, that's significant in and of itself. Um, you know, like, maidservants just didn't, right? We don't see Bilhan Zilpa, you know, seeing, seeing angels in the desert, right? They don't get nivuah. Um, so, there was something to her. Maybe perhaps there was something to her a little bit more than just a shifcha, right? She gets to, she sees a malach in the desert. Maybe just being married to Abraham. Yeah, so some of the Mefarshim definitely go that route. They say, like, it was from his zechut. But there's actually one Mefarish, which is so interesting um, to think about. I don't know. I don't remember how, but I did read it very very fairly recently, probably, like, within the last couple of days, who said that, who tries to suggest that her level of nivua was even greater than Sarah, because Sarah only got nevuah in the home of Abraham, and Hagar is merits to have this malach away from the house of Abraham. Interesting, right? I mean, again, but then you also have all of, you know, Sarah was greater than Abraham in Ruach HaKodesh. You know, kol asher tomar lecha Sarah yishtecha shma bekola. Listen to her because she's greater, right? So, again, like, there's just a lot of, there's, there's a lot of things that seemingly don't don't fit. It's 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 fascinating. There's so much to explore, really, with Hagar. Um, okay, so so Rav Hirsch, right? Me pnei givirti. She admits the malach. Like I'm running away. I'm a, I'm a maidservant. I'm running away from my from my master. Eni yechola o eni rotsa od lihiot shifcha. I don't want to be a maidservant anymore. I want to be. Right and maybe all of that, right? Lowering, like you said, she wants to go back to her royalty status, or she wants to be right. She doesn't want to be the shifcha anymore. She's over it. She's pregnant. She has this new perspective. Like my maids, my master didn't get pregnant, and I did. Like she, you know, gets kind of gets to her. I'm saying gets to her head, but but maybe it's understandable. You know, like where. We, we're normally very, we're very quick to write Hagar off because she's Hagar. And a lot of times it's, it's, it's Hagar against Sarai. So of course you need to be on Sarai's side. But sometimes I think it's interesting to think about it from Hagar's perspective also. Um, and again, there's, there's like so much to like think about and explore here. So she, you know, she's kind of like telling this angel, this Malach, I don't want to be 
a shivcha anymore, right? And to which, according to Rav Harsh, right? To which, and then literally the next pasuk in the Chumash is, Hashem, shuvi el behit tachat yadeha. Uh-uh. This, the, no. The plan for you is that you are the servant. You're the maidservant. You need to go back to your master and hit ani tachat yadeha. You're going to be... You're under her. That's that's the plan for you. You don't get to do. You're not deciding, right? Which is also again interesting. We meet her. There's no. There's kol sarai, but there's no kol hagar. Hagar doesn't have a a, a choice, right? Hagar doesn't control what happens to her. She is almost in some in some respects, she's the ultimate shivcha, and that her fate is in the hands of everybody else. And the malach reaffirms that. But right, it's interesting how in these pesukim. The, the Malach is c- clearly continuing to speak to her, but if you look at, at each pasuk, it starts with Vayomer. Vayomer, Vayomer, Vayomer. Right? Which is weird. We don't typically have that. Normally it's Vayomer, and then a bunch of pasukim, and then they stop talking. Right? So what's going on here? So there are really three separate um, directions, or three separate statements. Right? So Vayomer, um, first the Malach says, go back to your master, the Hitani, and you're, you're going to be subject to her. Right? Maybe she wasn't. She's like, I don't want to do that. I'm out. I, I don't want that. So he starts again the Malach. And he says, Don't worry. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed with a lot of children. Okay, so maybe she gets her thinking. But she's still not moving. Right? What's, 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 in, what's in it for me now? Right? I don't want to be a shivcha anymore. But what's in this for me now? So we have the third statement. You are pregnant. And you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to call him Yishmael because Hashem heard you. Which is like, wow. She gets to hear a malach. She's destined to be a servant, a shivcha, the malach tells her. You're not going to be anything more than that. But at the same time, Hashem takes, is going to take care of you. Hashem hears you. Hashem hears what you're going through. You're going to have a son and you're going to name him Yishmael and his name is going to reflect that. First of all, speaks so much to, right, how the greatness of, of God, obviously, and, right, we are, we are have to be a society who uplifts the weak and, you know, gives tzedakah and helps the less fortunate, which, and, and we see God literally doing that too, right? We see God feeling bad for, for the shifcha and, and promising her children and, 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 you know, hearing literally her, her oni, um, which is interesting, but, but it's also interesting in that even though she's still a shifcha, right, like she's still, she, she, she does, there is still something in it for her. Like she's, her fate is not totally, you know, in the hands of these people who are going to give her no choice. Well, it is in, in her immediate future, but there is going to be something good that comes out for her, right? She, her, her oni, so to speak, like whatever she's suffering is, is going to yield something. Um, so perhaps there, there is something more to her, okay? And, and the Malach continues, right? This is a continuation of the statement, so there's no Vayomer. Vehu yihye pere adam, yado bakol, veyad kol bo, al pene kol echav yishkon. Says the Malach, he's going to be a pere adam. Pere adam, so I brought you the pasuk from Eov, which just kind of like is um, 
shows what parent means. Yeah. Comfort her. <laughs> yes. To hear how bad what her son is going to turn out. To oh, be. oh, interesting. So the reason yeah, why you're thinking, thing. sorry, Pere Adam doesn't. We think it to mean bad because we know Yishmael and we have a very negative perception of him, um, which could be like a whole separate discussion. Like, was who was Yishmael as a personality? Is he an extension of Hagar? Some will say yes, some will say no. Um, but there are statements that Yishmael actually died at Tzadik, right? And we know that when he cries, right? So, so there are there are qualities. Uh, right, good qualities to Ishmael. Also, yes, he still doesn't take away. Yes, a hundred percent. But it's also fascinating, like duality of of character in Ishmael. And like I said, is that an extension of Hagar? Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, right. So, but the just the words Pere Adam Yadoba Yad Kobol doesn't have to be negative. Certainly, there are commentaries that interpret it negative, right? But Pere Adam just means wild. He's going to be a wild personality, right? Pere Adam is, is a pere is like an animal that that can't be domesticated. Like they're wild. They're in the desert because they can't be in a city or in a house. Okay, and that's essentially what the psukim and Yovar are showing. Yadoba kol veyad kolbo. That's a hard. Those. That's a hard, hard set of words to like. Everybody. Huh? No, somebody who's, who's uh, fighting everybody, and they're mad at him. They'll fight him back. So that's that's what Rashi. That's how Rashi interprets that's it. Mother, I'd hate to hear that about a child. <laughs> <laughs> so Rashi interprets it as he's going to have a hand in everything. He's going to rob. He's going to steal. He's going to kill. He's going to have a hand in everything. That's how Rashi interprets it. But. Um, and did I put that here? Maybe I did. Rashi on the bottom, right? Peri Adam ohev barot, right? He li- likes to be in the desert because he's so wild. Um, but the chizkuni on the top of the next page, page four, yado bakol, right? He doesn't interpret this interpret this as something negative. Bekominis chora. He's going to be have good business. He's going to have a hand in all different types of businesses. He's going to be very wealthy and very successful. Right? He's going to dwell within all of the land because he's, he's going to be so rich and he's going to be so wealthy. So again, it's not so clear that that means something negative. We're so... We, because of our perception and our misoran, right? We like tend to, to you know sway our our you know philosophy and how we interpret it to negative, but but doesn't necessarily have to be, right? Maybe in the beginning, he's he you know he said you have to go back your maid servant, and like you said, it didn't appeal to her. So he so he because foc- now that's still the focus on Abraham and Sarah. Like where am I in all of this? Then it was you're gonna have. Yes, son, you're going to have lots of children. And then it was, well, what's going to be the fate of my son if I return? Will he be domesticated or will he be, unde- like, not domesticated? He will be free. Maybe that's what this para-adam indicates to her. He'll be free. He'll be successful. He's not going to follow what you are going to be. But he actually will be Abraham's son, not just the son of a shivcha. So, I'm going to show you from the Pesukim nice. that that's true. Yado bakol veyad kolbo, right? Notice the repetition of the yad. Here, it's to mean that he's going, he's not going to be at the fate of anybody else's hand, right? But what's said about Hagar, right? Avram tells her, um, Avram tells her, 
הנה שפחתך בידך. She's in your hands. She's subject to your fate. The Malach, the angel tells her, שובי אל גבירתך, והתעני תחת ידיה. You are at the hand of, of them, but not your son. He's free of somebody's hands. And is this the first time that a shifcha in the Torah, a shifcha gave a, a child to someone? Because maybe there was nothing for her to be able to base it off of. Like, how is it going to be for my child? Right. And, the malach, and now the malach is saying, this is what it'll be. Like, you could go back. You don't have to run away. He'll have a life. Is this the first time in, Tana, in, in the Torah? Like, do we have precedent for this? I don't... I want to say yes, but not necessarily. Um, there's a lot that happened, like, with Lemech. Like, Le- we know Lemech had two wives. Um, but not... They, they were two wives, like, regular. Right. It wasn't like a... Right. We just know he had two wives. But even from what it tells us, it seems to be they were e- on equal status, you know? Like, just kind of two wives. Um, I mean, the concept of also two wives is, like, so interesting. And there's nothing in Torah that indicates that that's a positive thing, like, at all. Um, which we saw from Chava, right? Um, but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. It could be. the reassurance, maybe. She needed that. Hagar, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and I think that even there, there's an element here of, like, we feel bad for her a little bit. You know, I don't like I don't think that the Pesukim um, depict her as somebody that like deserves this, you know, um, and that like, oh, she's getting, re- you know, reassurance because of like everything like bad that happened to her. Like I we feel bad when you just read the Pesukim, like you really feel bad for her. She's she like kind of wants to break free, but she God has a plan for her. Like it's not up to her. Um, there there really is like we really can. Just like be feel bad, really just feel bad for her. But yes, I I, I agree with I agree with what you said. Um, died, if I could interject, of course, her father gives her away. I mean, she yeah, just right. here, right. honey, bye. Right. Stuff and go. So so that yeah. I mean that like and that was very yeah, that was common. Like that was like in. So I don't know if for we're reading with twenty twenty two glasses. That's a thousand percent a slap in the face. I don't or like not even possible or legal. But then it was very common, right? Like your fate was your father could gave you away. Your father could sell you. Your father could. You know, in the times of the Gemara, we have halachot about a father accepting a kiddushin, a marriage for his twelve year old daughter. So in 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 historically, like that was very accepted practice. That part is true, and I know that. Paro saw that Abraham was uh, a spiritual man or uh, monotheistic or whatever or not to whatever and I could see him giving his prized possession, his daughter who, right, because they marry their brothers and then they become the next Pharaoh's wife, right? So, I mean, he's really giving Abraham a gift. He sees how old Abraham is. I mean, you know, like the guy's not getting any younger. So, I mean, it seems like a, like a, like a gesture of goodwill. At first, I was thinking it wasn't such a great idea the way that, you know, she, she falls from grace, so to speak. But she really, he, her father gives her this gift, which she didn't fully recognize. I don't want to say appreciate, but recognize. Or maybe appreciate. So, it, it, as I say, I wasn't there. I don't know. But, you know, like, everybody has a different interpretation. And the more we hear stuff, the more we think about it and make connections. And it depends on 
our philosophy is the water is the glass half full or half empty so yeah agreed and and that's and that's important i mean she right like essentially and and you know hopefully like we'll tie this together at the end but you know she her 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 fate what was like to be the second place like she was never supposed to be the main the main wife In and the main mind, one right. right even as much as she wanted to she was never supposed to be but but for objectively like she had a child she had many children come out of her like she like can we even say she had a pretty good life you know i, I don't know i Again, and that's arguable. I, I could I could hear the argument that maybe she had a, a pretty decent life, and I also could hear the argument that maybe she didn't. Like, it, it's just it's just like very interesting. I think. I like to think of the idea that when Paro gives his daughter to Abraham, and that Abraham defers to Sarah, and he says, "Do what you want with her." You know, usually it's like you get a gift, and you it's your gift. So you that know? I so think. So I like to show him by it kind of aspect of it in a way. Yes. Yes, that's that's something that the commentaries bring up. Also, Abraham, if you notice in this in this whole thing, is silent, yeah. right? He doesn't he doesn't advocate either way. He just doesn't do whatever you want, Sarah, right? Um, Abraham's very absent from the story. This this is a this is a story between Sarah and Hagar, right? This tension is between Sarah and Hagar. Abraham kind of like stays out of it. Um, Rav Yoni Grossman in his book about Abraham talks about this. And and he says that what, it, what Abraham's passiveness shows was that you know Sarah kind of took charge with trying to build a family, but this was never part of Hashem's plan. So because it was not part of Hashem's plan, like Abraham had no place in it. So he's very absent from this whole thing. Yeah, didn't he, he refused to throw them out. Though. He, he also, it says Vayera hadavar It was bad in his eyes, but he. Did right? He woke them up and he gave them food. He did send them away, reluctantly, but he did. Right, right. So you're right, reluctantly, but he did. Yeah, no, he kind of had no choice. But you're right, it was reluctant. I mean, so in in that sense, right? It's his son, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's his son. He's not. It's still. It's Abraham. It's still his son, right? But but in terms of like, Abraham doesn't have a say at all here, right? We don't see like Abraham said, no, you know, or I think you should do this, or God told me to do, you know, the only thing Hashem tells him to do is to listen to Sarah, right? It's almost like Hashem told him, take yourself out of it. You're not involved. You're not a part of this. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Shuvi el okay, so says the Ramban, Right, he, the plan was she needs to go back and, and accept her her status as a shivcha and be subject to her master. Right, right. So what the Ramban is saying that this hints right. Um, the Ramban is kind of saying that this hints that. Not only, like, are you going to be a servant, right? But your kids are also not going to be, you know, they're also going to be second place, right? Abraham's... It wouldn't. wouldn't. It it wouldn't. And and again, this is like, this is the Ramban's kind of interpretation of those words. So there's no indication that this was said to Hagar. Um, But, right, she doesn't doesn't go right away. Like, I don't want to do that. And then the Malach comes with, you're going to have children and you're going to be blessed with children and all that. But it's almost as if, like, 
despite the fact that you're going to have children, says the Ramban, you're always going to be second place and your kids are always going to be second place because Abraham, Abraham and Sarah's kid is the chosen one and they're always going to be first place, right? Your kids will always come second. That's your destiny. That's, that's, that's your place, right? So, right, and, and in here the Ramban kind of sees this as, as a, like as a foreshadowing almost um, or, or just as like a significance, like where her kids would, would kind of fall, is this um, the first indication that Sarah will have? No, Abraham, he, Hashem tells Abraham that Sarah will have, but we don't know when and we don't know how. But yeah, um, right, because the story with the the angels is before. No, it's the Perak Ifter. It's the Perak Ifter. It's Perak Yudzain with the story with the angels. What am I saying? It's Parshat Vayera. It's after. It's after when he tells Sarah's gonna have a kid. Yeah, so he still doesn't Abraham still doesn't know at this point that Sarah's gonna have a kid. But Hagar knows, right. <laughs> Hagar knows. Um, at least according to the Ramban. Right, right. Yeah. Um okay. yeah. the fact that it says that um is gonna be a free person, he's not gonna be born into servitude, gives him the potential opportunity to inherit to inherit anything out of Abraham's property it, you know in the I, th- I would think in the end game but we, I don't think that we know that that's not what happens right that that, that he you know if you're a slave you're not going to get anything you're not going to inherit anything oh but Yishmael wasn't a slave at that point he right. wasn't he said, yeah God he was a full son be free mm-hmm. and he's gonna mm-hmm. be a free man so he could stand to inherit because we see that um, Yaakov and his brother fight. So, you know, it, it, and, and so even though they're from the same mother. Ishmael ends up being a full-fledged son, right? And we, yeah. we see this throughout the Avot, right? There's always, there's Yitzchak and Ishmael, Yitzchak is picked, right? Then there's, there's Yaakov and Esav and, exactly and Yaakov is picked. This kind is, of Hevel, same thing. Always yes, kind of Hevel, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of, but that's, yeah, interesting um, also. But yes, it it's, fits with the theme of sibling rivalry, at least. Um, right, Con- so contrast that, w- and w- which we've said, but just for for completeness' sake, right? The chizkuni v'hu yeh pere adam that that his hand, right? V'acharkach v'yad kolboshi natzchule basof, right? That he will hold on one second. V'hu yeh pere adam kimo pere shayukorim. We said he's going to be wild. Yado bakol sheyeh natzeach hakol. Ah, sorry, this is in line with the Ramban. Doesn't contrast the Ramban. Yado bakol sheyeh natzeach hakol. He will win everybody. Okay, but he's not going to be the ultimate winner. He will be subdued in the end. Um, so that's, you know, that is your, he, when it comes to this interpretation, you're right. As a mother, you don't want to hear that, right? You want to hear that your kid is going to be on top. You don't want to hear that he's second place. Um, but that's, that, that was Hagar. Okay, so then we have, um, okay, so there's all of this, like, you know, complications with, um, and, and like conflict with Hagar and Sarah and, and the birth and Ishmael and Sarah has nothing to do with him. Then Yitzchak is born. Okay. And then we have the two boys together. And this is in Perek Kaf Aleph. This is the second, um, Perek, which Hagar appears in. I'm on the bottom of page four. So I'm in Parashat Vayera, Perek Kaf Aleph, uh, Pasuk Tet. Okay, Sarah, Vatere Sarah et Ben Hagar Hamitzrit, Asher Yalda Lavram Mitzachek. Right, she sees 
this boy, Yishmael, right? And, and Asher Yaldel Avram Mitzachek, right? In many of the commentaries interpret that Mitzachek to be he was doing Avodah Zarah and he was not, he was misbehaving. And Sarah, once again, right? We had this already between her and Hagar. Now we see the tension between the two boys and Sarah is not, not having this. So once again, this results in Hagar being shipped out. Vatomer Avraham Garishatamazot Ved Binat Chase her out of here. Kiloi Rash Ben Haamahazot in Bniitzhak. This child will not inherit the same right, will not take uh, be together or inherit the same things as, as my son Yitzhak. Abraham's not happy about this. Hashem comforts him and says, Don't worry. Right? Yitzchak is going to be the one that your children and your Zera is going to make you great, right? You're going to have nations through Yishmael, but it's Yitzchak that's going to be, you know, the chosen one. Right here, Hashem tells Abraham this. Don't worry. I recognize that he's your son. He's also going to have nations coming out of him. Okay, and then Vayashkem Avram Babukir, he wakes up, he sends them, um, he, and he sends them away, and, and they're in the desert. Okay. The water finished. Right? She, she, we'll talk about that at the end. There's, there's something interesting there, too. Okay. Um, and and she, she kind of puts him to the side and she says, I, I can't. I'll. I don't want to see the, you know, the death of my son, and she and she starts crying. Once again, she has an angel come to her. Right next, next page on top of page five. Vayishma Elokim et Kol Hanaar, Vayikram Al Achelokim El Hagar Min Hashamayim, Vayomer La Malach Hagar. She has an angel appear to her. She merits to have an angel appear to her once again. Right, Vayishma Elokim et Kol Hanaar, and and Hashem hears hears their cries. Kumis Itanar, and and he says, you know, pick him up, and and Vehachzikibo Kile Goy Gadol Asimenu, and he's going to be. Don't worry, he's going to be. Um, into a nation. This time, Hagar doesn't go back, right? This time, she doesn't have to go back. She runs away, and this time, she doesn't have to go back. And then, right, the next pasuk, Elokim et eneha, Hashem opens her eyes, which is also an interesting choice of words, right? And she sees a well. So, you know, the pasuk easily could have just said, right, Hashem placed a well there, right? So, it kind of begs the Elokim et eneha, Hashem opened her eyes to see what else did Hashem allow her to see. You know, Hashem made perhaps... Hashem allowed her to see finally her place and where she stood. And yeah, she's not going to be Abraham's main wife. And her kids are not going to be the main kids. But she's going to have it. Her kids are going to have it pretty good too. And then she goes back. According to the Mifashim, she actually goes back to Mitzrayim. And she goes back to her father, Paro. And maybe over there she's something great. Who knows? Let's see what happens at the end, end, end. At the end, 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 right? So that's, we don't hear from them for a while. Then, in Parashat Chaye Sarah, after the death of Sarah, we have Vayosef Avram Vayikach Isha Ushma Keturah. Avram marries a woman named Keturah, says Rashi, Zohagar. 
זו הגר, ונקראת כתורה על שם שנעים מעשיה כקטורת. Because her deeds were pleasant to Hashem, like a כתורת, and she never remarried, and she never, she never was together with any other man after she separate, separated from, from Abraham. So in the end, she, she ends up staying with Abraham. She lives out her life with him. So, right? She's not the chosen one. She's not the main one. She wants to be the main one. She's not going to be the main one. But from the other side, maybe you could say, yeah, she, she did have an okay life. Besides for tensions with Sarah aside, her son, she had a son. She, her son is going to be, you know, yield a great nation. And she ends up getting remarried to Abraham. Right? Like it's just, it's, it's, she's in second place, but it's, She needs to embrace her, her second place status. So it's, it's just... It's you just don't think she became first, first wife again? First place? You only thought of Sarah after she was gone? Um, I so? I, yes. I don't think that she ever replaces Sarah in terms of her mm-hmm. status. One, she's not buried with him. Sarah is, is the one that ends up buried with him. Um, and also, I just think that... I think that the way that... The Chumash presents Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah are my favorite couple by far in Tanakh. Um, and, and the reason, right, you have in, in Parshat Lech Lecha when they leave, right, they had common goals. They, they were spreading Torah. They were spreading monotheism throughout the world. Um, they, they were, that's it. Like, they were it. They, they did it together. Um, we don't see that with Hagar. We see that the Shabbos candles lit like the whole week or something until the following week. So we right. know that that's, an, you know, an amazing thing. We don't hear about that, you know, with this, this, like, this new... And the fact that, this, the fact that, that um, Hagar is no longer a virgin, I mean, who's she really going to marry? So, I mean, she really... So it just wound up that however they, they hooked up again... Right, you're saying maybe it was circumstantial. Maybe, I don't know, it's maybe, maybe. It's interesting. Uh, they don't very interesting. Because we don't have Eliezer or any yet, right? I don't think we what know were, about him. What were he's before. Eliezer and Yitzchak up to at this point when he gets back together? Some of Hashim say Yitzchak went to go. Yitzchak went to go, yes. Yitzchak went to go get her. Yeah. So he went to Be'er Lachai Ro'i and he went to go get her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he also I wanted to like ask if when when the Malach came to her again the second time, was it was the message not just about your boy will yield a great nation, but you're going to survive. You <laughs> need no water and whatever, like, <laughs> yes. he's going to live. Like you're, yes. you're going to yes. make it. Yes, like, you yes. You need them to make it. You'll be okay. Right. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. He says, right. You're going to live. Right. And then by Kachel, and then she and then sees he, the well. And then the well. Yeah. 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 hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. The, he comforts her that way. So we're, we're, I think we're like going over time. Ooh, majorly going over time. But, um, uh, so I'm just going to quickly just finish up and summarize the last sort of sort of things. Um, the Ramban comes down very harsh on Sarah, Vateaneha uh, Sarah, the Inui, right? When we talked about that Sarah pained her. 
um, the Ramban, Chataimenu Beinui Hazeh, right? Saraimenu sinned. The Radak also uh, admits that Sarah was mistaken in her treatment of Hagar. Um, I like how the Radak sort of ends his perush. He uses this as a teaching moment. I underlined it, right? Vechen Zeh Hasipur. It's underlined in English too. Nichtov Batorah. Uh, right? He uses it as a teaching moment and says, like, you know, Sarah Imenu was a great woman, but we still have, we can learn from her faults, and she was at fault for this, her treatment of Hagar, and the reason why this is written is so that we can learn from her. I think, like, also mindset, like, in terms of Hashkafa, that's Im- imported. Like, we, we have the Avot and the Imahot, and we respect them, and they, they are on a pedestal for us, but, like, we also remember that they're human, and, and their faults are there, like, purposefully for us to learn from. Um, so I, I love that he uses that as a, as a teaching moment. I thought that, that was a nice thing to point out. The last thing that I, I want to say for, like, two seconds um, is is Rav Hirsch on... Um, on the Pasuk, which you don't have this in, in your booklet. Um, so I wasn't sure that I was going to have time for it, but I, I just want to summarize it for, for a minute. On Vatashlech et Hayeled, right? When, when Hagar kind of says, I don't want to see my son suffer, I'm, I'm just going to leave him. Rav Hirsch comes down very strongly on Hagar for that and says, This is not the midot of a Jewish mother. This is the midot of a somebody who's the daughter from Cham, right? This is, we don't do, right? What mother says, I don't want to see my son suffering. You're supposed to go help and be mishtatef in the tsar. He comes down very, very harsh and is very determined to, almost, to, to project her, like, negatively. Not unfounded. The, the term vatashlech is a little bit harsh, right? It literally means to abandon. In my humble opinion, I'm not sure, like, it needs to go that far, I think it's an interesting thing, though, given all of this kind of complexity and Hagar wanting to be the person and the tension with Sarah, I I almost wonder if there's this sense of, like, you know, the Mifarshim had to, like, make sure also that Hagar was put in her place. We definitely see that from the Pesukim. The Malach puts her in her place. The words of the language of the Pesukim put her in her place. But I, I almost feel like maybe, you know, this commentary also feels the need to, like, put her in her place um, you know, so that we know that, like, she was definitely not the chosen one, and she was she was second place. But like, we're not celebrating her second place. Like, she definitely is the number two. Historically, the perspective of Hirsch is coming from is interesting because he was writing in uh, in the 1800s in Germany, um, and he was facing lots of assimilation, and and he was very influential in orthodoxy, but he was. He was fighting assimilation, crazy assimilation rates. Um, he was also speaking out against, like, reform Judaism. So, like, I wonder if he felt the need to kind of, like, you know, put her, like, in her place and, like, reject her in order to, like, preserve, um, you know, Sarai and Yitzchak as being sort of, like, the chosen ones. Um, so, again, there's, like, so... Hagar is so rich, and there's so much to think about in terms of what it means to be second place and, and what it means to be in your place, um, but it's a Cinderella story at the end of the day. Because she goes Okay. Back to, I mean, you know. Right. Again. So again. It's a happy ending. I, again, I, I, I'm not sure I would quite freeze it as a Cinderella story. Not a Disney But movie, maybe right? I would freeze it as she was in second place, but she had a decent life. Yeah.